I always used to give Owen Sheehan a good bit of grief for his power rankings. They aren't easy, Will. As a group of players, we have not done one minute of video analysis of any team this year. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times here in the studio. Hello. Good evening, Joe. And Fiona Hayes, you are out there somewhere. Hello. Hi, Joe. How are you? Very well. Later on in the show, Amy Lee Murphy-Crow will join us from Cape Town to uh, look back on, uh, well, an extraordinary eight years now. She's reaching her uh, 50th cap and she's been pretty awesome, I think it's fair to say, right the way through. So that is on the way. In the meantime, Wayne Pivak gone. Warren Gatland returns. Eddie Jones gone. Steve Borthwick, the presumed successor and that's before we get into Heineken Champions Cup week ahead so you know you would think this would be a quiet week Jerry <laughs> anything but I, has, has there ever been a, a dismissal of an English and Welsh coach around this time of the year in the space of 24 hours ever no it seems almost panicky doesn't it just 10 months out from a World Cup the accepted wisdom is that you really need a four year cycle until Razi Erasmus broke that template up in smithereens but at least he had a two year kind of a year 10 month run in so it's quite um, short term. It seems a bit panicky. It's very much in response to results this year, this calendar year, and particularly in the autumn. Um, I was le- less surprised by the departure of Pivak and the return of Gatland. If you remember, I did say to you in this show last Monday week, imagine if Gatland returns and had the narrative will look when Wales begin their first game under his second coming at home to Ireland. Yeah. Doesn't look so comfy now, does it? No, we'll blame you. I think that it's a good choice, though, in that he's a safe, safe pair of hands. I do feel sorry for Pivak. He tried to implement the Scarlet's touchline to touchline offloading game. I'm not sure he had the players to do so. You look at the Welsh regions, three of them in the bottom four of the table at the URC, only being kept off the bottom, all of them by Zebra. Yes. I mean, it's pretty damning on the Welsh regions. And there's no doubt that Gatland and Edwards papered over the cracks in Welsh rugby for the guts of three World Cup cycles. So, um,. So, yeah, but I think he knows his way around Welsh rugby. He knows the players. He's hugely popular with the punters. And the punters have become an important factor, I think, in both decisions. Um, because they will, the return of Gatlin will galvanise the crowd and the players. It'll, it'll have a feel-good factor to it. Um, and given he's, as he knows Welsh rugby inside out, I think that's a shrewd appointment. Yes. It's damning in many respects of Welsh rugby that Gatlin was their best option, Fiona. But that is not to say it's not the right decision. Yeah, it's probably the right decision in what Jerry said. If you're if you're getting Pivak out and you want someone in with less than ten months to a World Cup, um, you're looking at someone that knows the players, um, you know, has had um has done well with Wales in the in the past. But I I, I just I, I thought it would take some time for Pivak to get, you know, you've young guys coming through in Wales. Yes, it's all results based, but just the style that Catlin plays. We we talked about the Lions tour. I just absolutely, I hate watching that style of rugby at times. And, you know, obviously Wales have the players to do it and, and they grind out games. But I think in the long term from, for Wales, they probably just should have stuck with that type of rugby game going forward. And look, it's obviously results based, and they're going into a World Cup, so panic stations are set in. But for the people who is, they love to see Gatlin. But for rugby in general, I hate seeing him in there. I think Eddie Jones, maybe Fiona, is the more interesting 
debate. That was a, a trickier decision, I would think. And there have been various pieces in the English uh, media. I would recommend Charlie Morgan in The Telegraph has Jones's last uh, 24 hours in the job and it has lots of little details. So you might be interested, for instance, that uh, initially the RFU wanted the statement about his departure to say that they had parted ways with Jones. And he insisted that it would say they had terminated his contract and in the end they had to agree on uh, dismissed. So uh, it was a bit fraught, I think, at the end. Bill Sweeney, the uh, chief executive, and Conor O'Shea, uh, the director of performance, they asked Jones to inform the players and he declined to do so. He said, you tell them yourself, uh, seems to be the reporting there. So a fraud ending to Jones's time with the RFU. Is that the right decision, Fiona? Um, I don't think so. I think going into World Cup, I know Bartwick has done great stuff with Leicester, but he doesn't he doesn't know these guys. I think Eddie probably should have got till the World Cup. You could have had it all set up to go then afterwards. Um obviously they're not happy with the autumn internationals and how they play. He loves that big ball carrier. He loves the contact area. He loves those big carries into contact. And he just didn't seem to have the players for the style of rugby that he wanted to play. And it wasn't working for England. And you could see the the fans were getting frustrated, especially after autumn. But I just think it's funny that, you know, his statement for the whole, for the last, I suppose, two years has been, just stick with me, you know, I, I get results at World Cup time, I get results at World Cup time, and it seemed that the RFU were, were going by that and they were sticking with him. It just seems so soon to, to a World Cup to absolutely change the decision on that. But, I mean, Bordwick is, if he gets in there, is probably the number one choice. He has done absolute wonders at Leicester and seems like kind of player-focused. You'd wonder with articles written and, and what has come out, um, were the players kind of asked about Eddie Jones or, or, you know, what were the connections like with him after autumn with his own players? Yeah, that's the interesting one. It does seem, Jerry, that players were consulted. So one presumes the word back wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But still, Jones's World Cup record can't be dismissed so easily. No, certainly not. Helps that Africa win it, got England to their only final since they won it and uh, Australia, to Australia to a final. Yeah. It's a remarkable record and... You also think that he had the best win-loss ratio of any English coach in the professional era. Got them a couple of grand slams as well. You would have thought that would have earned him some kind of room for manoeuvre um, 10 months out from a World Cup given he's been planning it for the last three years. So that was more surprising for me. Very bad year though. Yeah, very bad year. Five wins and a draw in 12 games, which is, you know, Australia have had a worse year, but and others have had a worse year. Wales have had a worse year, but it's England and more is expected of them. Um, I think fan power had a lot to do with this. The booze and the walkouts yeah. at Twickenham had a big factor in this. And again, by making this decision and bringing in one of their own, presumably Steve Borthwick, that would probably get the fans back on board for the Six Nations as well. Borthwick only has 10 months to plan for World Cup and doesn't have the same broad knowledge that of Test Rugby that anything like, like Warren Gatlin would have. If Fiona thinks that Warren Gatlin rugby is a bit boring, well, there's been plenty of times when it has been. I think there were a lot of factors at work against South Africa not least the opponents and not least the fact there were no fans Could have, would have been completely different we forget what it's like with no fans it was, it was no, took all the fun out of it but I do think that Borthwick will come in and probably resort to a lot of pack power a lot of kicking in the air and play to what are perceived English strengths I wouldn't be surprised if Owen Farrell gets back in at number 10 and Marcus Smith becomes a bench impact player for example yes and it's uh, it's so probably that speaks to that more sturdy test match yes. approach. Yes, and it's more perhaps suited to England and could make them more of a threat at the next World Cup. At least everybody will understand, not least the players, what they're trying to do, which wasn't always clear mm. this year under Eddie Jones. So it's uh, 
it's it's a it's a safe pair of hands to play a, a pretty cautious brand of rugby, judging by what Leicester have done, and of course Borthwick is highly highly regarded as a coach by players who've worked under him, um, and as the proof of what he's done with Leicester, he completely rejuvenated him from the lower edges of the table right up to the top to champions. So I do think it's uh, the obvious appointment, and it's like pretty much the the safest pair of hands they could have opted for as well. Fiona, do you anticipate moves like <coughs> Farrell coming back in at ten? That kind of approach from Borthwick. Yeah, I think he definitely loves uh, that kind of structured kind of power game. And, you know, he knows what Farrell offers him. Like, I love watching Marcus Smith. I love what he brings. But obviously, he kind of has an air of excitement about him. Predictability, he isn't. You know, he does he does things that kind of would be off the cuff. And I would imagine that that wouldn't suit, um, that wouldn't suit Bordwick's style of play. Um, who knows? He could go in with a totally different attitude. It's It's a completely you know you don't know what coaching setup he's going to have with him our, our new guy's going to come in but um I, it would be a shame I think Marcus Smith Owen Farrell obviously it hasn't worked um with the style that Eddie was played but that was kind of changed outside the back three were constantly being changed but I do think they work really really well together and I suppose you know you you never know you have Ford who has been playing good rugby as well could he see his way back into that squad as well mm. where will Jones pitch up now I wonder Gosh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, he'd be coveted around the world, wouldn't he? He's got a hell of a CV. Yeah. If he fancied a job somewhere else, I'm sure he could get it. I saw someone make the point, don't be surprised if he ends up at the World Cup as a consultant Very somewhere. Likely. Yeah, in, yeah, test rugby seems to be more his game than club rugby, really. It's what he's used to, what he's done the most in the last four or five World Cup cycles. You know, he's been heavily involved in test rugby, so, but he could pitch up anywhere. I mean, he definitely would be a coveted coach. Mm. So... We're saying that we're more worried now about Wales with Gatland in the coach's box. Are we now more or less worried about England, Fiona? Um, yeah, I think like if you're looking on the outside and you know you see Eddie obviously has lost his old players were consulted. To me, um, as a player and involved rugby, I would say things weren't so sweet at the training ground. Obviously, if if you're talking ill about your coach. Maybe maybe I'm coming up with that myself, but if it, it just doesn't seem when I was looking at it that things were gelling. So with England and they get kind of consistency and they get player consistency, they seem to build momentum with that. Obviously, when they have big injuries like to number eight or 12s in the type of game they have played in the past, it makes a huge difference to how they get over the game line. But I think with Bortwick, he will build with the squad. I think we'll see a similar starting team throughout the Six Nations with the idea of going into a World Cup and having that kind of a settled squad. So I do think they will be dangerous when it comes to World Cup time. Another thing as well as a settled team, a settled coaching ticket. Like there have been at least 18, if not 20 plus different assistant coaches plus myriad other changes in personnel in the backroom team in seven years under Eddie Jones's watch. With non-disclosure agreements yes. to beat the band. Yes, yeah. I mean, and all sorts of reports and criticisms of his methods with the people he works with and what he demands of them. And so at least under Bortwick, I think it might become a more enjoyable place for the assistant coaches too. And I suppose England, and more settled. given the calibre of player at their disposal, they don't need to reinvent the wheel. No. They can play a turgid, solid brand of rugby, tournament rugby, yep. and be very dangerous. Yep, very much so. That's volatile. Yeah. Although, that being said, you know, I know it was nearly four years ago now, over three years ago now, the best performance in quite some time was undoubtedly that semi-final against the All Blacks. They were yes, brilliant. no, it's true. I don't think he's been helped by the fact that Tulagi isn't the same player he was. 
you know that's been a, a huge loss because he was such a go-to when he was fit and well yeah. like in that semi-final yeah. he was the key man Vunapola's are on, a little bit on the wane too I don't think Maro Otoji has been the force of your this season either no. so you know there are those factors as well not to say that Otoji's remotely finished I'm sure he'll come back yes as, as, with the storm So that's the story at international level. I mean, Ireland positively boring by comparison. <laughs> Heineken Champions Cup is upon us. So we have Leinster in action and Ulster in action. Uh, one o'clock kickoffs in their cases. Uh, Racing host Leinster in La Havre and Ulster away to sale. That's on the Sunday, I should say. Ulster away to sale. And they have La Rochelle the following week. And then Munster Toulouse is the 3.15 Sunday kickoff at Thoman Park. For anyone just tuning in, Fiona was just making the point last week that she doesn't want to see these games at Limerick anymore. She wants to be <laughs> Porky Creeve. It suits her. Um, so Limerick will come out in force for the. You weren't saying that, by the way, before you get in trouble. No, I know. <laughs> You'll get me killed. Yeah. And leave the car engine running there, Fiona. <laughs> Uh, Limerick will come out in force. Just in broad terms with the South African contingent now, uh, this looks about, and I think, Jerry, you were saying this in the paper during the week, this is about as competitive as this tournament has ever been, really. Yeah, yeah. No, look, it's it's really exciting. There's some great matches. Um, you know, the players are back from international duty. I just think this is probably going to be the best year of this cup. We were talking before about maybe, you know, that... You know, it's not as appealing to the crowds anymore. I think this is the year where they'll bring the crowds back in. It's It's got the ability to play just a year out from, from a World Cup. Guys are going to want to play the best rugby they can going into the Six Nations. And the South African players obviously have a point to prove as well. So I think we're going to see some of the best games we've seen. And this year with the South Africans in there, it's just going to make it immense. And obviously with the English teams as well are... I've been watching a couple of them, you know, even Sale in particular, who who are home to Ulster. I just, I think the last three games, I've seen, I've seen them take a step up in how they're playing as well. They they beat Quinns and Bristol last weekend. So there's definitely going to be really competitive games in there this year. Yeah, big picture. What's jumping out to you, Jerry? Well, also, as well as the addition of three South African teams, the return of Saracens, by some distance, the top mm. dogs in English club rugby when it comes to both Europe and the Premiership and now running away with the, in first place. And what is otherwise quite a congested table I think there's nine points between the playoffs and the bottom place they're nine for nine aren't they yeah they're nine from nine and Sailor second seven from nine I think they've only lost at home to Harlequins and away to Saracens so that shows you what a tough draw Ulster had the other thing about this there are three prime contenders in France to try and win the Heineken Champions Cup La Rochelle the holders Toulouse the five time winners and Racing three time semi-finalists look at the teams all three picked last week and they're saving mm. their big guns for this opening round of Europe. They all want this title. They're the three outstanding candidates and they're also the three that the three Irish provinces all got in the group stages as well. Mm. We'll show you what a tough draw it is. It might be helpful that Racing have moved their game because of a concert they're hosting in, in, the, in their La Défense Arena to Le Havre and I think that makes it more of a neutral venue which might play might suit Leinster on a real high after themselves winning nine from nine and again look to pick at the Irish contenders. On a broad level, I think Ulster could be very, very dangerous, but that's a tough draw with Sail Sharks away first up and La Rochelle at home. They need to get at least one win out of those two to be in the mix. Mm. There's no doubt they play a brilliant brand of rugby, score tries through an outstanding young indigenous backline, but they have to have been a little scarred by blowing a 22-3 lead against Leinster with just 14 players. Munster carrying some momentum. That looks like a f- close to a 50-50 game with Toulouse, despite how well Toulouse are doing. Toulouse um, had Dupont available last week 
um, after his suspension was halved. So the difference with him not playing and now playing at Thoman Park on Sunday is enormous because he's just a generation, generational wonderful player. He, he can change the game. Puts a thousand bums on seats, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, and also they, they were so concerned about this week rather than last week that he was on a bench of the eight players on the bench they had 162 caps between them so they just brought him on for the last half an hour to keep him ticking over and then Ramos Ange Capuoso the young Italian kid who's joined yeah. them they make their one or two little subtle signings to lose just to keep it ticking over yeah. they never have a big overall really um, Ramos himself and Matisse Labelle combined with Toubon who then gave the final try scoring pass to Entomac who actually looked his best yet this season because he'd missed all before the November t- internationals with injuries and he's back at out half and Thomas Ramos is just playing the rugby of his life full back or out half every single name there is rock and roll yeah it is yeah. it's great yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. five time winners 21 times champions of France they're the they're Real Madrid stroke Barcelona combined of yeah. European rugby yeah and which I think as well Jerry like signing Jack Willis I know it was all yes. done subtly I mean I just Willis I think he's just been immense for Wasps when he's played you know he's a he's a big ball carrier and I've seen a, a couple of Toulouse games as well and uh, Roman Intermac's little brother Theo Intermac at eight has been absolutely outstanding as well I mean he's just getting game line off the back of the scrum he's been really really good so their back row are quite scary as well Yes his big little brother I think is the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> So how will Munster cope then what do we think Fiona let's jump off there at 3.15 Talman Park against this rock and roll Toulouse team Look, they've, they're building momentum. I think they've tightened up a few things. I thought the, the scrum was a little bit better last week as well when you had Ryan and Lachman in there with Scannell. Um, that's going to be a huge area in the game. I think set piece, obviously, Toulouse are going to um, attack that and, and and especially that scrum. You know, So I think, I think it's going to be a really good rugby game. I think Munster are on the up. Um, unfortunately, they didn't start it well against Edinburgh the last week when I was watching the game. I was getting a little bit nervous. But I think once they settled down, they played really, really good rugby. I thought Coombs had another good day at the office. So the big players are starting to stand up now. There's confidence there. Murray's gone back in training. Earlsey will have been around training fully in camp. So I think they'll have a little bit of confidence going into it. Not, I know they're at home in Thoman Park, but people don't expect them to win off the back of how they've started this season. So there is a little bit of pressure off with that and they can go out and try and uh, get their style of rugby and, and implant it on that uh, Toulouse team who will, who, who if we remember the last time they played, it was a draw up in the Aviva and now they get to take them down to Thoman Park. So that will be huge Thoman Park effect as well, Joe, there. I'll be in the crowd screaming. Yeah. Are Munster in a better place, Jerry, than when they played Toulouse at the Aviva last season? That's a good question and it's really almost impossible to answer until around tea time on Sunday. Yeah. So, but but uh, you would be worried about the scrum. You know, it's not largely changed and the scrum was a huge issue in that drawn game. In fact, but for the scrum, they would have won that match. Mm. We always had the theory that Munster might well have won that game if they hadn't given over Thomas Park to Ed Sheeran. And I know that he calls the piper, pays the tune and they had needed the money, whatever else. But would they have got over the line? They didn't, of course, the previous year in the last of 16 when they were beating 40-33. But again, there were no fans that day. So now we're back at Toman Park with fans. Okay. So if Munster get a good start and really bring the fans into the game, they have every chance. And what was encouraging about last week, which I thought was their best performance of the season, was the attack particularly for that Calvin Nash try, the shape around yeah. all the different ball carriers, the way they switch left, right, left, right. And then the, the finish from the short Joey Carby pass. Nash, Nash is playing superbly well. Haley's back this week. What do they do? I mean, Nash, uh, Shane Daly's playing really well. Simon Zebo, Keith Earl's back in training. Mm. So they've got, they've got some selections now. For once, they're actually getting a little bit, he's getting a few welcome headaches. Antoine Frisch 
has only played three games and been the three they've won. He's, I think he was probably signed as a as a 12 to dovetail with Malachi Fekatawa. Now it's come to pass that they're playing Joey, 10, Rory Scandal, 12, and Antoine Frisch, who's a real ball player at 13. And it's almost suiting, I think, Mike Prendergast's attacking game even more. But this is the acid test coming up against Toulouse and the power that they have. Um, I just about, if... If you held a gun to my head, I'd probably, you know, golden rule of the Heineken Cup, never back against Munster in Tolman Park. That's still the with crowds. Rule? Still, that's, that's well, still yeah, the golden rule? Yeah, until proved otherwise. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with crowds. Uh, Frisch has been name-checked by everybody I've heard speaking about Munster of late, Fiona. Yeah, he's just been really, really good. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk pre-season about Fekitoa. Um, he obviously talked, he spoke during the week how he's not really happy with his own performances you know, things aren't gelling for him. So I think there was no pressure on Trish at all. He just he he just came in, you know, and he seems to be, I think it was especially in that South African game, I thought he was really, really good. He's going about his business defensively, but he's a playmaker in attack. He's offering a little bit more, you know, there's he's not doing those 50-50 offloads. He's not losing the ball in the midfield. He's just retaining. And then obviously he's quite creative. So it, it is exciting. And to have someone with like Scannon's, Scannell's car- caliber inside him, who's just been around that monster setup for for a long, long time. You know, a lot of people wouldn't talk really, really highly of you know his playing ability, but I think he's just been there. He's tipped monster around the place for the last couple of years. He's a, he's a really good guy, and I would imagine they seem to be building some sort of really good partnership together and Prendergast should be really happy with how they're playing off one another. Yeah, you're, you're seeing that shape that people are talking about. Jerry mentioned it there. Alan Quinlan on Monday on the AM show, he mentioned he was much happier with the shape he's seen as well in attack. Yeah, definitely in attack. I mean, oh, there's a lot of options on. Leinster have been doing it for years. When you looked at Munster sometimes in, in the ball carries, especially when it was shifted out past 12, it looked like there was maybe only one one option. It was like a tip on or, or a pull back behind two options max. Where now you see in their shape, there's three to four and that keeps the defensives guessing. You know, everyone's carrying square. There's dummy runners going off shoulders. So it's really, really exciting and it's, it's changing in how Munster play. Obviously, the start of the season, some of those passes or running lines didn't stick, but it seems to be gelling a lot better and especially after that Edinburgh game last week. So it's kind of peaking at a good time, I think. Lots of good work rate off the ball, Fiona's right. There's just seem to be much more work rate off the ball and also an understanding of where they should be at all times now. It's just, yeah. it's all beginning to click a little better and this is the product of obviously of hard work on the training ground like Mike Prendergast has proven as an outstanding backs coach in nearly a decade in top 14 rugby. The other great thing about this match, Joe, is that it's on RT television, it's on terrestrial TV. RT have come in, replaced Virgin and seem to have made it a precondition that they get an Irish province playing every week. You've been on the Virgin gig like, and you know, it could be Gloucester against whoever, you know, Bordeaux Bagel at lunchtime on a Saturday. This is actually going to yeah. really bring back Irish support. I know it's going to help a sellout at Toulouse, but you know, there's been so much rugby on Prime, Amazon Prime during November. BT yeah. hasn't been as big a success in Ireland as Sky was. There's no doubt about it. No. So it's it's great for the profile of the competition in Ireland because, let's face it, the format is awful. This stupid format they've come up with. Most, most rugby fans can't understand it. Can you understand it? No, but worse still, I can understand it, but worse is trying to explain it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and particularly in print. I know. You can spend hours. Do dread in a couple of weeks saying to you, Jerry, what are the permutations <laughs> for next weekend? Yeah, I dread it myself. But that's a good boon for the competition. Huge. Yeah. It can't be underestimated. No, it really can't. No. Fiona, just the last one. I do sense maybe it's Porky Queeve, maybe it's the fact that Roundtree and Prendergast are starting to get some momentum, maybe it's the style of rugby, but I'm anticipating, I have to say, 
a fairly loud Thoman Park at the weekend like there's a bit of enthusiasm back in the stands even and you almost wouldn't bring that into the equation with most other teams but it does feel important with Munster it's very important and you know I found it kind of interesting I think um, Pity Akai that was talking you know the centre that was with Connacht that's now over in Toulouse he said his wife was in the stands and I know it was obviously up in the Aviva but she was at both the Leinster and the, the quarterfinal at Munster and she couldn't get over the atmosphere up in the Aviva from the Munster fans she didn't she didn't feel it was the same the next week in the semi-final but I, I think bringing that atmosphere now to Toman Park everybody loves watching Toulouse the, the huge names and you know, the crowd know, they know they need to get behind this team now. And if they can make a good start, like Jerry said, it will just get louder and louder in there. And obviously, that's when, as well, if things become 50-50, you start to sway the referee a certain way as well. So it's it, it's brilliant. I love it up there when it's absolutely buzzing. And I think the buzz will be back this weekend. It's such a huge game. European rugby in Limerick is massive. Everyone's out for it. And the other thing as well is that even if they make a bad start, the great thing about the Tom Park crowd is they always stick with their team. They try and pull them through the tough times as well as roar them on the good times. Better than most supporters, I know. We'll come to yeah, Leinster in a on. moment. We'll come to Leinster in a moment. Um, Ulster, though. Mm. So, they're doing so many things right. And Dan McFarland, I think, has uh, impressed everybody with the job he has done. And yet the regrets they would have over their exit last year at the hands of Toulouse, once mm-hmm. again, allied to the way they uh, threw that uh, game away, frankly, as good as Leinster were. There's something off there, a, a soft underbelly or a game management issue or a mentality Yeah, issue. I was thinking mentality, yeah. confidence, game management, like as well, you think of the semi-final against the Storms as well, when the that URC title was there to be won, yeah. with Leinster having been knocked out the night before. Like so many the, good ingredients. So many good ingredients. They're playing, like until last weekend, you would have said the best two teams to watch in the URC were Leinster and Ulster. Yeah. And their try scoring rate was not dissimilar. They each have a potent maw, but they each can carve you to bits out wide and through the middle. They've got, they've got some lovely talented runners you know even when they're not a full strength a player like Stuart Moore comes in at full back yeah. having been a centre out half all his life and just looks to the manner born you've got Robert Balakun, Ethan McElroy Jacob Stocktail as finishers you've got Luke Marshall reborn this season coming in ahead of because James Hume's been injured and probably their most important player is Stuart McCloskey because just so much of their attack goes through, them, mm. through him and he's been buoyed by finally starting three games in a row for Ireland if they hadn't been for last weekend you'd have been quite confident because yes. they have a very very good record in England against English sides but Sale are yeah Sale were beaten by Harlequins playing a very fast rapid brand of rugby their only home defeat of the season and then just bullied by Saracens which you know happens to everybody in England so I think it's going to be a very tough game they're the second most difficult side in England that Ulster could have drawn in what is a tough draw when you think La Rochelle are also there like this is going to be difficult for both Ulster and Munster even if they get through to get a kind of a top four seeding mm. you know what I mean that, that advantageous route to the final it's going to be very very difficult like to get away wins in fact on the basis that you're probably not going to beat La Rochelle or to lose away you've got to win the other three games probably yeah it's tough with mm. Ulster Fiona is there a trend to them coming up short in these crunch moments be it Leinster at the weekend or Toulouse or in the URC semi-final just uh, going so far and doing and looking so good on, on route and then coming up short or is it just each game has been different and different failings and it's hard to put your finger on it it's hard to put your finger in it. I mean, they are playing amazing rugby. Um, you'd wonder when it comes to closing out games, do they, they need to maybe change the game plan a bit? Um, 
you know, a lot of t- a lot of coaches won't shift, and you know they they want to play their game plan for the full eighty minutes, and I totally understand that. But when it comes to these games, especially last week with Leinster, I know Leinster obviously in the second half were were immense and re- really really good. But you need to be able to close out these big games, and with the brand rugby Ulster play, they're exciting to watch. They're actually defensively really good as well. So are they as good as they were last season, Fiona? Do you think defensively? I'm not so sure. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. There are there are holes there. I think mm. obviously defensively in the centre. I know, like obviously Marshall, you spoke of Marshall as well. Like he's a, a very good player, but I thought Hume was very very good. He mm. came up and he closed out that ball going out wide. He did. Sometimes I think mm. teams are able to get a lot wider than they they maybe could have had last season. Look. It's 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 you talked about mentality that could come into it as well. They should be confident they're playing great rugby, but it's just when it comes to the last, the crunch times, maybe they need to look at how they need to change their mindset going into those maybe twenty minutes. Could also be with the bench impact. Do they need a bigger, better impact for the bench mm. coming on? You know? Well, we'll see how they go on Sunday. Leinster Saturday. We have the game live here and off the ball, I should mention, against uh, Racing. This one sells itself, I think it's fair to say. The Stuart Lancaster derby. <laughs> uh, Keen Healy back from his red card. It's been overturned. There was a sufficient mitigation. Uh, with, uh, they didn't go into details on what that mitigation is, but he's, he's been uh, given a reprieve. To be fair to him, it's his first red card in 370 plus professional games of rugby. He was not a man in the habit of getting mm-hmm. red cards. That's a boost uh, for... Leinster, what would you guess the mitigation is as a matter of interest? I didn't see that one being overturned. Well, you know, it's a very grey area when you get these head-to-head collisions. There was a previous one, I can't remember who, where the referee judged that the, the attacking player wasn't going forward. And he wasn't really keen. He wasn't going to actually forward as such, I didn't think. And I thought watching that first level, well, he might get away with this. Just a Absorbed yellow. it a bit more. Yes, almost. exactly. Yeah. It's more of an absorbing tackle. That yeah, would be... Okay, well, he's back. And maybe his disciplinary record has something to do with it. But it seems more have been just a, a judgment on the actual tackle itself. What kind of shape are Rassin in? They're in good shape. Um, they started the season, um, they had quite a difficult start to the season, but they've come good. They've scored f- five wins in a row, averaging nearly 40 points a game. Now, these pictures can be skewed because, for example, two weeks ago, they got the Claremont B side effectively at home yes. and ran up over 40 points. Um, but they've got loads of strike power and Finn Russell is probably having his best season with them. He's the leading point scorer in the top 14. His kicking ratio is around 92%. Yeah. And he's full of his bag of tricks. Even last week when they rested they rested him and all the other frontliners, the replacement at half who came in, two of their three tries came from little very chip grubbers. They have a very inventive kicking game, Rassing. Yeah. They've a brilliant defensive line out, which again was brilliant again last week. They um they made mims meet of the opposition throw. So they're 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 definitely a dangerous side and they really want to win Europe. Imagine the pain they're feeling having lost three finals, including one against Leinster. Well I think they have taken on the mantle that Munster once had, mm. that holy grail, yeah. the neutral Claremont like in France, the, g- the great it, Claremont yeah. team yeah, yeah, yeah. of Parron, yes, Lopez yeah. and Rougerie Th- and all that, the boys. The neutral really would like to see them yep. get over yep. the line most likely. Yep. Yeah, Finn Russell, God. Every time he plays well, Gregor Townsend is just shaking his head in disgust at the moment. <laughs> like, I can't. I'll never be able to shake this guy. Uh, see his performance in the last game against Argentina. I know Argentina got a red card in the first half, but yeah. I think he'd I think he'd ha- I think he'd three or four try try scoring assists and another two key involvements and yeah. two more scores just with his inventive kicking game. I mean, like to be fair to him, I mean, in in what an hour of a Lions game, he did more than it happened in the entire. Seen one player transform yeah. a match so much like, in my he has life. Quality, yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly he's getting go forward ball. Yeah, can he close out a key game and 
when the silverware on the line and big knockout match you know. Steve Borthwick wouldn't pick him is what we're saying possibly not but that doesn't mean he's not great no, no. and in fairness to Gatlin Townsend he was injured for a big chunk of that Lions tour which is why he didn't come in until the third test Okay. no he was do you remember he was injured for a good while at that tour I still wonder would they have picked him well, I would imagine that was the main reason he, Gregor Townsend's influence was the main reason that Finn Russell was picked among others well, ahead true. of Johnny Sexton. That's true, yeah. that's true. We won't reopen that hole. Anyway, they're a threat, <laughs> they're a big deal. Yeah, yeah, okay, so they're yeah. going well. How do you see it, Fiona? Um, yeah, look, Racing, they had a, a big win against Toulon. Um, play some nice rugby. I think it's the kicking game that impresses me uh, the most. Um, Palu in second row is doing really good stuff as well as Jerry spoke defensively in the line-out but he's he's good around the pitch as well they're very athletic I think in their pack so they're able to move the ball from, from sideline to sideline um, they've the Fijian at number 8 as well Kinukuchi he's been excellent um, so look and I suppose they've settled 9 in Teddy Irahim uh, he's been around a long time so they're him working with Finn Russell is is really good for Racing. They seem to connect with one another and 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 really good to watch. But I just think Leinster are are kind of, I suppose, unstoppable at the moment. And watching them against, I know it's an away game as well, but watching them come back with a man down against Ulster kind of showed real character. And it shows that they're really not happy with how previous seasons have gone. And we've talked about this. Uh, we say it's a holy grail, but I think the, the five star is a holy grail for, for Leinster as well. They're trying to get their hands on that. So I, I, I think they will go in focused. I mean, uh, you know, you can be as inventive as you want, but... Uh, that us or that Leinster pack Conan I thought was excellent again at the weekend whether he starts or not I don't know but just the the, the Leinster pack are, are just absolutely powerful and we know what they can do damage in the back line so I, I think they will go over and get their business done and get the win that the one Irish team that have the front row modern day front rowers yeah. to meet up with the team Camille Shah and his buddies in Racing or any French team when you think of Sheen, uh, Dan Sheen and now Ron Keller back and Andrew Porter and Tyke Furlan look at Darcy's impact like they've just got modern proper test match animals all through the pack mm. James Ryan's playing great rugby um, mm. they've options of plenty in the second row Jason Jenkins was a really good signing and you know Johnny comes back in as well with Ross Byrne to spring from the bench Jameson Gibson Park Luke McGrath like they've just strength all the way through you look at Gary Ringrose the way he grabbed that game by the scruff of the neck last week they're just like a part of a preview thing is that you pick out a key player, right? Toulouse, easy. Antoine Dupont, you know, La Rochelle, yeah. Will Skelton, or Gregory Aldred, perhaps, or, you know, Rossing, Finn Russell. It's easy. Leinster, who do you pick? <laughs> Maybe Johnny Sexton, but even if Johnny doesn't play, you'd be quite confident in Leinster going over and beating Rossing in La Harvard with Ross Byrne playing at 10. Mm. Quite confident. I mean, the way that Andrew Goodman spoke about him during the week, the way Stuart Lancaster spoke about this guy recently, Lancaster said he's doing things on the pitch as I'm thinking them in the press in the, in the, <laughs> the press box, in the coach's box. So, And also they come hugely motivated. I mean, I'd imagine they're using the pain of losing to La Rochelle last season as a big motivation. And it's a competition which they judge themselves by. Not, not the United Rugby Champions with the best will in the world. Yes. And that is, I mean, the point to finish on is that we are here once again at this time of year mm. where we are laying out all the reasons Leinster are brilliant and why really they're the best team in Europe and consistently so. And yet 2018 is starting to look very isolated as their winning year of this generation. I know Johnny Sexton traverses several mm. uh, and it's his last year. Like It has this last dance quality. Yep. And so, Stuart Lancaster's. And Stuart and, Lancaster's. And yeah. the first final in Dublin since God knows when. And like when you think the Cardiff have had five or six and yeah. Twickenham six and all the others but like it's about time it came back to Dublin. It's only the fourth time. Sure. So, But it does feel like well if, if they don't get 
it this year. That, mm. And that is the, that is the aspect with Leinster this year. If they don't get it this year and Lancaster goes and Sexton goes, there'll be a real sense of, and I'm going to use a word you're not going to like, underachievement <coughs> hanging over that. So group. negative, Joe. <laughs> that is how this period will have to be classified. A great team, but by the standards they set at what could have been mm. period. And they'll probably think that themselves. Yeah. I'm sure Johnny Sexton will lead those thoughts himself when you yeah. think that they've lost a couple of finals in that time as well, having never lost a final before mm. either. It's not a criticism. I'm just stating Yeah, this is the very uh, compelling dynamic that hangs over this team this season. Yes, the most, which also must fuel a desperation, a huge desire mm. to go all the way this time and start by beating Racing away. Because if they beat Racing away, then they're very well set in the pool stages to give themselves another very advantageous um, seeding. And they'll be looking at that after the way they're one of their games was Montpellier was cancelled last season and resulted in a 28 0 walkover yeah, defeat. They're still not over that. They're still not over yeah. that. Jeez, they didn't have to go on about that. Did they? <laughs> That's because they plot this out. They sure. know that if they win their four pool games, they can get you know a second leg last 16 tied home, followed by a quarter final home, followed by a semi final home, followed by a final at home. Yes. So they, they, you're, you're right in the sense that if they don't do it this year on top of recent near misses yeah. it will compound the sense of um, a little bit of a missed opportunity yeah, to go well, near that's okay yeah. you know it. And, and final word to you and Fiona because I, I, again to make the point I know you briefly dropped off the line there but 2018 on its own is 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 not bad I guess you know let's not be too greedy but 2018 and 2023 it would copper fasten the greatness of this team that people talk about all the time but they have to go and do it Jerry, as Jerry said, they're a home final. I mean, that's if that's not incentive, nothing, nothing is, you know. And I know a lot of teams will will be in the in the pipeline saying, "Look, it's a, it's a, we're we're in competition here." But look, the way Ireland are playing, the way Leinster Lens, are playing, with the possibility of um, going on and winning that, and then these guys kicking on with Ireland going to World Cup, I just think it's the it's the perfect year. And for Ireland, if if one of the Irish provinces can peak in, in Heineken Cup time, I think it will bode well going into the thing as well. OK, well, we'll see what happens. Jerry, thank you very much. Jerry Pleasure. Tony of Pleasure. the Irish Times. Fiona, thanks so much. Thanks, Joe. Fiona Hayes there on the line. Our rugby and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us 